Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I'm going to talk to you today about how to, I don't even know how to say this, I guess keep our attitude right in the face of this trouble. I got an email, and this lady has really touched my heart. Her name is Jennifer. I'm going to read the email, and I'm going to read my response to her, and then we're going to talk about it, because I think that truth is we all need to think this thing through. So Jennifer says, if there is no pre-trib rapture, and we will all have to endure the tribulation period regardless, A, meaning answer, wouldn't praying away or prayer to delay these coming disasters ultimately be postponing the inevitable? If what the Bible says will come to pass no matter what we do down here, because, quote, it is written, then praying for a delay These things would mean that we are actually trying to postpone the tribulation because if they're inevitable and the time has come or been fulfilled, do we really want to delay them? If they get delayed, this world is getting worse and worse. It's not going to get better for us. If that may be the case, and we're going to be here anyway, I personally would rather the tribulation just come on, let's get it over with, rather than slowly being told. I'm sorry, I mean, I, I really understand what she's saying. She's got a really good, really good point. Rather than being slowly tortured and prolonging the misery, the sooner it comes, the sooner I get to just meet the bridegroom. Okay, let's just get it over with. I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry for laughing, but I mean, it's really serious. And that's the reason I'm talking about it. But the reason I'm laughing is because I think that's how I deal with it. These 40 years studying prophecy, 1988, met Dimitri Dudeman, 28 years. I mean, 28 years, full time. I mean, this is my living all the time. That's all I deal with is this. <laughs> See? <laughs> well, I think that's, that's, that's the point. One of the ways to deal with it is to laugh. I remember there was some guy that wrote, and back in the days when I would play the audio of a DVD, and he wrote, he says, you know, you play the audio of DVD, and then a lot of times you come on after that and you're laughing. He says, it just seems so inappropriate. And I thought, well, but I think that's how we deal with it. Uh, now, let me pause just a second. I'll go back to her letter in just a second. My oldest son used to be an ambulance, oh, what do you call him, EMT. In other words, he saw people that were dying or dying and then died and just about to die and being an EMT technician on an ambulance for several years, I said, how do you deal with it? Okay, now, his answer was really important. He says, nobody deals with it. He said, that's why every six months we have to go in, and we are required to go in and see like a shrink. And he said, he asked us, okay, what was the worst thing you saw, and how did you deal with it? And did it come back, and did you have nightmares over it? In other words, To a certain degree, somebody that is in trauma like that, we all, now hear what I'm saying, we all, to a greater or lesser degree, we kind of all have that PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's just that people in war get it a whole lot worse. But I think the way that I have learned to deal with it over the years is I kind of laugh it off and something in the back of my mind says it's never going to hit me. Well, of course, if you've been watching lately, I've been talking about 
Now I am now prepping because someplace back there I thought it wasn't going to hit me. Well, it's going to hit me. But I prepared for it. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the physical preparations, but I mean in my heart I prepared for it. Okay, so let me go back to her last sentence and read to you what I said. So she says, the sooner it comes, the sooner I get to meet my bridegroom. So I said, would you prefer to go through seven days, seven months, or seven years of trouble? Which would we prefer? America fall 10 years before the tribulation, five years before the tribulation at the start or the middle of the tribulation, or maybe even the last few days before Jesus returns. In other words, yeah, we want to have as little trouble as possible. I think that's what we all agree. Then she goes to point two. Okay, so the time of God's judgment is upon us. Am I supposed to assume that he will not protect us from anything? The Bible says that in the tribulation, Christians would be hunted down and killed, parenthesis, head chopped off for their beliefs. That means that God will not be protecting Christians. Here's my answer. Your definition of protected is what brings the question. If your definition is nothing bad happening to us, God almost never promises that. Look at Stephen. All except one of the disciples were killed for the name of Jesus. If we are unwilling to die for Jesus and believe that protection is absolutely no trouble, then we are probably assured to see some trouble. And if we are willing to die for Jesus, then that takes away the fear of dying. Jesus knows our limits, and he will not purposely put us through any test that he knows we will fail. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you, here it is again, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will, with that temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, I didn't write this next thing, but I recall one evening in my prayer closet, because I guess we've all kind of thought, boy, I wish I could I wish I could have an angel come and talk to me. I wish I could see some of the things like Dimitri or do some of the things like that minister does or this minister. You know, we've all desired to do more for the Lord, and that's a good thing. Well, one night I was saying, Lord, you know, it's just not fair that... <laughs> I laugh, but that's kind of my way of dealing with it. And that's what I'm talking about today is how do you deal with it? Okay, so Stan's way of dealing with it is just kind of chuckling and laughing it off and putting it out of my mind and saying I'm never going to see it, even though you and I probably know that we will. Okay, so anyway, I remember one evening I was saying, Lord, it's just not fair. I mean, Dimitri had these angels come to him, and he would pray, and he would ask you a question, and he would get an audible voice in the ear, or an angel come and tap him on the hand and wake him up. And, you know, it's just not fair. I mean, because here in America, I haven't had the opportunity to, to be tortured. And, and, and I mean, the Lord interrupted my thoughts. He said, you couldn't handle it. You could not handle it, Stan. And I thought, uh, I mean, my mind is like, it took me back through times of my life where I can't handle pain. I remember one time I got hit, um, got injured, and I passed out. Uh, when, when I think it was in the ninth grade, I lifted up a metal window. Uh, we were hot in the, in the schoolroom in the afternoon, 
and I lifted up and I only lifted it part way up. And then I put my fingers in to lift it to get another kind of a grab on the window. But the window came, it was a big, heavy metal window and it came down and it nailed, it literally nailed the tip of about four of my fingers, two fingers on each hand. And it was stuck in the window, nailed in the window. It was caught in the window. And I rather calmly turned to this girl sitting next to me and I said, would you lift the window off of my fingers? Oh, yes. Oh, wow, 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 what is this? And I mean, the tips of my fingers, about four of them were almost gone. So I, it was, it was strange. I casually walked up to the ninth grade, uh, I think it was English teacher. Uh, can I go to the principal's office? Why? And I showed her my, oh, yes, 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 get out of here. So, <laughs> so I walked to the principal's office and I walked in and I was feeling faint and I just sat down. And I just slapped passed out. They said it was so funny. You didn't say anything to anybody. You just walked in and sat down in the chair. And you just rolled forward. Totally passed out. And we couldn't figure out why until we looked at your fingers. And blood is coming out every place. But in other words, God knows. God knows what we can take. And he is not. Let me say it again. He is not, not going to put us into anything that we can't handle. Now. That doesn't mean that we're going to not be put through anything. Let, let me finish the letter, and then I'll keep talking on this. I, I'm, I'm trying to give you some encouragement. I'm trying to let you know that God is going to be there. Okay, so anyway, back to the letter. She says, so does that mean that we're now on our own? No protection, that is it? Honestly, if that's true, I just want to die now. Why would I want to endure the wrath of Satan and the wrath of God? I just couldn't do that. Don't know what I'll do. I just don't know. I'm just not up for that. Guess that means that when the asteroids, the volcanoes, the earthquakes, tsunamis hit, I'm toast. Oh, well. Nice knowing all of y'all. This isn't a good thing. Christian in waiting. Then I wrote back, when we are ready and willing to die for Jesus, as he died for us, we passed the test. In that we passed the test, probably it means we won't have to go through and face the test. Revelation twelve eleven says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to die for Jesus to be an overcomer. It does mean that we have to be willing to die. Doesn't mean we're going to. Just means we need to be. Okay, so this was our answer back. I do not understand what you're saying. I do not understand that there would be problems, trials, temptations now and during the tribulation. I also know that there are times when we will wind up giving our lives when there are no other alternatives. I'm saved. I'm not afraid of being dead, and I'm not eager for the process of dying. I'm sure most will join me in saying that they would, I think she means die, they would if they had to, for sure. What I was really referring to is God's judgment. The judgment we're referring to in the book of Revelation. We will all be here for those terrible seals, trumpets, releasing God's wrath. Will he release them on his saved children also? When wormwood hits, I'm sure it's not going to be a pinprick. What people it falls on is not going to be selective in their falling. So as far as God's releasing his wrath, will it rain on the just and the unjust, as the Bible typically says? Granted, all us Christians aren't ready for his coming, but there are a few of us 
who have been faithful, watchful, and prayerful. We love him, seek his face daily, so please forgive me in my asking, but do you honestly think that God will rain down his wrath on his children anyway? So this was my reply. You touched my heart. We have all and will all have to deal with these kind of decisions in our lifetime. Leslie tells a story. She was feeling all of these same fears. She came crying, begging to God for answers. She said that the Lord spoke to her in the night. Just one sentence, just one sentence changed everything. See, God is good about things like that to correct everything in one simple sentence. God said, do you love your country more than you love me? She said, boom. Just like that, it brought everything into focus. She said, that made me see I must always keep Jesus first in my life. That means nation, family, even my own life. As long as I keep Jesus first, he takes care of the fear. Then I did a cut paste from uh, the book, Miss the Mark. And I'll read part of that that I cut paste out of the book, which, by the way, if you haven't got Miss the Mark, you would really enjoy it. As a matter of fact, if you do have these fears, a lot of the people say that reading these books, specifically The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy and Miss the Mark, Don't Take the Mark of the Beast, those two books, the more we learn about the end times, when we understand them, it begins to take the fear away. In other words, running from the end times doesn't take the fear away. Believing in a pre-trib rapture that's not going to come doesn't take the fear away. But one of the things that does take the fear away, in addition to being willing to die for Jesus, is to simply understand the end times better. Okay, so this comes from the book, Miss the Mark. When God first called me to start the Prophecy Club in 1993, my wife asked to speak with me. I can still remember the very seats we sat in at the kitchen table. She said, if anyone ever threatens you with me or the children, do not give in. We do not belong to you. We belong to God. You only have temporary oversight over us. Do not give in for us. Well, I hadn't even thought about it, but that brought comfort to me. I suggest that we all need to have a similar conversation with our loved ones and perhaps even ourselves. Dale Carnegie says, ask yourself what's the worst going to happen. Accept it and try to improve on it. So envision the worst thing. Well, for me, it would probably be standing in line with our children, heading to the guillotine. The man with the clipboard walking up and down says, Mr. Johnson, this is your last opportunity to step out of the line. All you have to do is deny him. They would never say his name, so says Ken Peters. You will receive good treatment, food, shower, clean clothes, a bed. If you do not, I want you to understand you're going to stay in line. You're going to go up there to that guillotine, but before you make your decision, you need to understand that we don't start with you. First of all, we're going to start with the little two-year-old daughter. Then we're going to go to your three sons, followed by your wife, and then finally you. What is your decision? This is your final chance. The time to make our decision, brothers and sisters, is not standing in the line to the guillotine. It's not standing in line at the firing squad. It's not running through the bushes trying to get away from someone. 
specifically that's chasing you down because you don't have the mark of the beast. The time to decide those life and death, those eternal decisions, is now. See, my wife and I had already discussed this. If this were to happen to our family, I would simply turn to my daughter, get on my knees, look her right into the eyes and say, I don't want you to fight them. Go up, lay down, do as they tell you to do. You won't feel a thing. And in just a few moments, your brother's mother and I'll be with you. Patrick Henry said that when confronted with denying his nation, he said, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. You see, we should be prepared to say, I regret that I have but one life to give for my Lord and Savior, Jesus. See, Jesus died for us. We should be prepared to die for him. Doesn't mean we're going to or we'll have to, but we need to be prepared. We should have already, let me say it again, we should have already made the decision that no matter what happens, we're not going to deny him. Dimitri was told by the angel Gabriel, he said that most people alive right now will have the opportunity to deny Jesus. Most people alive today will have the opportunity to deny Jesus or die for him. Remember the martyr's blessing. It is said that the blessing of being a martyr is no pain when dying for Jesus. Ken Peters said, The second the scimitar sword reached my neck to cut my head off, I was gone. I never felt a thing. Then in reading Fox's Book of Martyrs, Christians begin burning them at the stake As the fire would burn the ropes off from their hands tied behind their backs, they would lift their arms, praising God, singing praises. You could tell they felt no flame. They felt no pain. So will Jesus forgive me if I take the mark of the beast? Uh, No, no, no. A thousand times no. He will not forgive us. So brothers and sisters, we have to set our jaw. We have to make a decision that no matter what, we are not going to deny Jesus. Now, let me take a second and talk to you about this solemn October assembly. I think that we did a wonderful job at the solemn September assembly. I think every one of our prayers reached the throne. I think God was very, very pleased with the entire meeting and everyone there. In every prayer, I think think that uh, perhaps above above many of the things that some of the great servants of the Lord have done, I think he is very pleased with what you did in this meeting. But based upon what Coverstone was told on September the 26th, six days after the solemn September assembly, based upon that dream that said that the church is not willing to fight, based upon that dream, I have to say we still have not put the ball in the basket. We've not crossed the finish line. I think that we're still running the race. And I think that based upon what Coverstone was told, remember the angel pointed to the last two weeks in October. And of course, as I'm making this one, uh, Monday night at 7.55 p.m. because I was prepping. I was prepping today. (laughs) Got my generator in and a couple other things. I'm getting all ready to go here. So we are in the last two weeks of the month of October. And if Coverstone is right, now I believe we prayed some of it away. I don't know, but well, based upon this last Coverstone dream, obviously we didn't pray it all away. So apparently here in the next two weeks, there's some really bad stuff coming. I don't know if it's a tsunami. 
uh, I meet here. I don't know if it's a financial problem. I, I, writing, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I prayed, tried to get God to tell me. He just won't tell me. I don't know what's coming. But I believe that in the next two weeks, I believe we're going to see some bad things hit. Now, that's where we come in. I understand. I'm weary. I don't really want to go have this meeting myself. But at the same time, who else is going to do it? Brothers and sisters, you know, we have been preparing for these days. As we've been saying for a long time, God has called me to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. Well, we're still in that building phase. So I'm calling all of you. I'm begging all of you, come to Topeka, Kansas. Just a 12-hour meeting, 8 in the morning to 8 in the evening. We ask you to be in your chair by 7.30, shofar in hand, shofars blow at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Then that again, then that evening at 8 p.m. to end it. And once again, we're going to do the same thing. 30 minutes of praise and worship, a few brief uh, motivational, directional talks from the ministers. Yes, Dana Coverstone will be there, as well as Pastor Massey and Leslie and I. We're going to be there, but the real power is in those five-minute prayers. We'll have prayer, prayers going every five minutes. And if you weren't at the Solemn September Assembly, you missed a treat because, I mean, there was, even in the night, the minimum, I understand, the minimum number of people standing in line to do a five-minute prayer was three. Most of the time, there was between 10, 15, and sometimes there was 20 people standing in line. I would see these little old ladies scared to death, their lip quivering, and they'd get up and they would pray. And then they'd go back to their chair, they'd pull out their Bible, they'd pull out their notepad, and they would make a few notes, and they'd get back in line, and they're back up there, and now they have more confidence. And about the third or fourth time, they're up there praying over that 48 hours, they got to where they were ripping, and they were kicking, and they were poking holes in the devil's kingdom. They were sticking their finger in the devil's eye. And I know we got victory to some degree, but I also know, based upon what Coverstone was told, the battle is not over. We can't quit. Now is the most important time. And I say that because as of Sunday afternoon, we only had 37 people reserved. Okay, we don't, you know, I'd rather have 100 people that really know how to pray and really, their, their heart is right and really want to kick the devil's kingdom really, really bad than I would to have 300 just lukewarm Christians. But I don't believe lukewarm Christians listen to this broadcast. I believe anybody listens to this broadcast. God has already called you. You already know it. We've been talking about this for years. Look, for years, you and I, we've been listening to this stuff. You've been listening to the program. You've been saying, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I've got to listen to this. I've got to listen to this all the time. I've got to listen to this on a regular basis. Wow, it was the Spirit of God. Because God, you see, has been preparing all of us, me and you, because we link our arms together. That's one of the things we're going to do at this solemn October assembly, too. We're going to link arms Halloween the deadliest holiday in human history, the Devil's Day. And we're going to be fasting eight hours, 12 hours, excuse me, eight hours in the morning, eight in the evening. We're going to be fasting, praying, blowing shofars, and be calling down strongholds, loosing the angels to do warfare, sending the ministering, protecting, guardian, and warrior angels out. And I know what's going to happen. People are going to walk into this meeting, and their jaw is going to be locked. And they're not coming in to have fun. They're coming in going to war. They're coming in to, uh, how should we say, to kick the devil in the teeth. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Now, we don't have the power to do that, but through the blood of Jesus, that's exactly what we can do, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So, Lord, you know the ones that you want to be there. According to Coverstone, that's all of them. 
He's calling all of them. He's calling all of his people to get in the battle. So, Lord, everyone listening right now and everyone that will hear this, Lord, we ask you to speak to the heart to come. We ask you to make ways and means, the days off, the family permissions, the job permissions, as well as the finances to come. Sometimes it's not exactly easy. Matter of fact, here's another thing. Uh, well, Lord, we ask you to provide the ways, the means, the time off, the finance for them to come. In Jesus' name, amen. However, don't do this. Don't put this fleece. Don't put the wrong fleece before the Lord. Don't say, well, Lord, if you want me to go, then just provide the money. The day's off, and it's going to be a nice, easy trick. Because I can tell you right now, you come fighting the devil like we're fighting the devil, it's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, if you want to know that it's really the will of God, then you could expect things to go wrong. And, you know, as I've said, if the toilet's going to clog up, it's going to clog on up on Sunday morning just before you go to church. If you've got a flat, it's going to happen Sunday morning when you're supposed to be going to church. Because the devil can't stop you, but he can sure put a lot of stumbling blocks. So you got to watch for those stumbling blocks. you got to understand those stumbling blocks, those are good things. And like this fear he tries to put in people's heart. Hey, look, I've had fear too. There's been times Leslie comes to me, she says, you're getting in fear. You're getting in fear. You have to get, look, you got to get out of that fear. you got to get out of that fear right now because sometimes i got to talk to her. Sometimes she got to talk to me, okay? We need each other, brothers and sisters. And that's another thing. You want to come to this meeting to meet some BFFs, some best friends forever, other people that do know and understand about the times we're living in. You want to meet them, get their cell phone, their emails, and you would contact people. You want to get some BFFs at this meeting. So here's what you do. You go to watchmanstrumpet.com, 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 and you sign up. We asked $25, and as you well know, that does not cover the cost of the meeting. And I haven't figured it all up. We did break even on the last meeting, uh, but on this one, I don't know. But I'm going to guess it's probably in the ballpark of $10,000 because we got a staff of like 10 or 15 people. I, Leslie and my daughter does all that, so it's out of my hands. Anyway, we've got a staff of people. We've got to drive up there. Some we've got to fly in. We've got to bring in Missy. We've got to bring in Dana Coverstone. We've got some of hotels, meals, and stuff. Anyway, so so we've got some expenses. So we're all going to have expenses. But brothers and sisters, this time, we we got to do it. we got to put the ball through the hoop. we got to catch the long pass, and we got to make it across. Look, if, if trouble really does hit on Halloween, when the angel, like, circled Halloween and put his finger on there, and then tapped it and circled again. So something big and bad is going to happen on Halloween. This three days before the election. Look, you do not want to be any place but on your knees, worshiping and praising and, and kicking the devil. Also remember, Coverstone was also told that when the mighty rushing wind and the tongues of fire come, it's going to come on those people that are praying. So we also have a high probability that, that mighty rushing wind, but it's not going to be like it was in the first days. It wasn't like in the first century church. It's going to be sevenfold. We might, at this meeting, see a move of God like no one has ever seen in the history of man. I mean, this is three days before the election. This is after the two weeks when the angel specifically underlined and said some big bad things are coming. Wouldn't tell us what it was. But I'm only saying, watchmanstrumpet.com, my brothers and sisters, I'm calling you. I need you. The Lord needs you, and even more so, our nation needs you. Look, most people don't know enough to believe this. They wouldn't come. They wouldn't spend a dime to do this. Matter of fact, that's why we had to move it out of, what was it, McAllen, Texas. 
because the pastors down there, they their their people start saying, "We see no reason to spend twenty five dollars to go to a prayer meeting." Well, that's the reason the twenty five dollars is there. If you don't see a reason to spend twenty five dollars to go to this prayer meeting, then you got a problem because that's just it. You don't see a reason. You don't know. It's a lack of information. They are willingly ignorant, and unfortunately, sad to say, they're not going to be there in the battle. They don't even know that there is a battle. Look, if you don't know that there's a battle, the devil has already won. Watchmanstrumpet.com. 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 Go there. It tells you all of the details. You bring your shofar. You don't need to bring uh, a pad. You can't if you, in this place, we'll probably have enough room for it, but probably just a knee pillow and your water drinking device and probably your paper Bible and maybe a notebook to write out some prayers on. But we're going to rip again. It's same basic, same thing. We're going to have the same prayer topics up. And I know some of you went to the last one. You're saying, yep, and I'm going to be at this next one, too. And if you have to do another one, I'm going to be there, too. It's not that they're following us around. It's that they're seeking the Lord. And if you haven't, let, let me just tell you, here's what I've been hearing. People have been saying, I ain't never been to nothing like this before. I've never seen anything like what this. I've never seen people pray like this before. I've been in a lot of meetings. I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, this is a life changer. Watchmanstrumpet.com. 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 Watchmanstrumpet.com.